Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me is my co-host, the lovely Miss Bobby Jean Bell in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning, Miss Lovely. <laughs> Good morning, Pard. I'm happy to be your sidekick today. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine, and I'm happy to have you as my sidekick today. So today in Nashville... It is the first sunshine that we've seen in over a week. And uh, yesterday we had snow, and today beautiful blue skies, and tomorrow it's supposed to rain and snow again. So we're about tired of this <laughs> nasty weather, you know. Oh, my God. How's gosh. your weather? Blue skies, I suppose, and we in got Mexico. We 54, yeah, 54 degrees and a blue, blue sky out there. Yesterday morning, it was the same kind of day. It was a little chillier. I was up kind of early, and I uh, was driving not too far from the house, and I looked over, and there was a balloon that came on down. I watched it land in a big field that's kind of off to the side of us, and um, so I was up early. <laughs> balloons are, well, you're up balloons early every morning, I think. Well, I don't go yeah, I to think... bed, Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you don't go to bed until early in the morning. So yeah. Anyway. So it's really fun to see that the balloons are out here, not just uh, during Balloon Fiesta, but this is Balloon World, and uh, and I love them. So yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> well, we have a fantastic show today, and who are our first guest? I'm so delighted. I'm sitting here. I actually have our first guest. One of our first guests is here in the dining room studio of Campfire Cafe, the Annex in Albuquerque. I have Buffalo Bill Boycott here and um, his partner, um, performing and life partner, Dr. Joe, is on the line waiting to join us. All right. So we're looking forward to talking with them. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, it is unusual for a company to have been in business for 100 years today. But we're going to be talking with Reese Mules, who are celebrating 100 years of providing some of the very highest quality mules around the world. So that's all coming up on Saddle Up America in the second hour. But right now, let's listen to a great song from Buffalo Bill and Dr. Joe. It's one called Ragtime Cowboy. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Buffalo Bill and Dr. Joe on the Campfire Cafe. He always sings raggy music to his cattle as he swings. Back and forth in the saddle on a horse, a pretty good horse, he's got it syncopated, gated. Such a lovely meter to the roar of his repeater, how they run when they hear the spell is done because the western folks all know. He's a highfalutin, rootin' tootin', son of a gun from a Wyoming ragtime cowboy Joe. Out in Wyoming where the cowboys are. Nothing else to guide you but the evening star Roughest, toughest man by far Was Ragtime Cowboy Joe He got his name from singing to the cows and sheep When it's late at night he sings the herd to sleep In a bass of voice so rich and deep Crooning soft and low He always sings raggy music to his cattle as he swings Back and forth in the saddle on a horse, a pretty good horse. He's got a syncopated gated. Such a lovely meter to the roar of his repeater. How they run when they hear the spell is gone because the western folks all know. He's a highfalutin, rootin' tootin', son of a gun from old Wyoming ragtime cowboy Joe. Music to 
And after, when I left Michigan, I moved to, after just a stint in the Indian Health Service, I moved to New Mexico, to Albuquerque. So now that Bill and I are happily together as a couple for the last 15 years, we kept uh, my small house in Albuquerque and we kept Big's Bill, Big's uh, Bill Spread, Big Spread in uh, outside of uh, Lander, Wyoming. We've got a couple acres in Wyoming, which is just beautiful. But it's cold, Gary. I don't think you'd like it there this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> it's you cold come enough here when in it's Nashville. cold, though, right? Yeah, it's cold that's, enough that's back why here. We're in the, you're right, Bobby Jean. That's why we spend January, February, March in the hot air balloon capital of the world, because uh, you can actually <laughs> the snow's not uh, knee deep. Uh, gosh. We have a friend watching our house in Lander, Wyoming, who sent us a picture of our mailbox to demonstrate the uh, 22 inches of snow that fell uh, a week and a half ago there. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> so, wow. Gary, you can't complain wow. too much about the weather. No, I can't complain at all. I mean, you know, we got snow yesterday, but uh, it didn't stick even to the cars around here. So it, that was okay. Yeah. That that's, was okay. That's Nashville snow. That's Nashville snow. I don't think that counts. No, that doesn't really count. <laughs> that doesn't really count. So how did the two of you get together? Bill, you want well, to start? As the, as the strolling minstrels, uh, we got together at Greenfield Village is how we knew each other. But uh, after, uh, you know, I, I got married, uh, had a daughter, and uh, things changed. Uh, that relationship ended and uh, I would had been by myself for a couple of years, and I always thought I wonder what happened to Joanne. You know, I just so I tried looking her up. I knew she was an anesthesiologist. I hadn't talked to her in a while, though we had, you know, briefly connected at maybe the first five years after we had, uh, you know, she was still pursuing her doctorate, and uh, I was had moved out west, and I had gotten a card from her, I think. Uh, postcard about her with her first son on there you know we were just friends and then right. uh, we connected later on uh i i was able to connect with her and found and she was in the kind of the same boat i was uh, and so we just started seeing each other and uh that was in i think 2006 uh is when we first got together somewhere around there wow again wow <laughs> wow so, Joe, who fell in love first? Oh, Gary. Um, well, Bill pursued me very persistently. <laughs> I do have to tell you a short story about when we very first met. There were, uh, it was in, we both auditioned for this, this gig to be the, I had, audition, I had, one had to audition every year, and I had been there for four or five summers before that. And this was Bill's first summer. No, his second. Um, so it was, it was supposed to be, imagine this. Imagine this, a, a lovely couple strolling down the street, one of them playing guitar, one of them playing banjo, the woman in the, or the girl in the big pink hoop skirt, the guy in the, in the, the period kind of long, poofy white shirt with a plaid vest and strolling down. And this is how the director of the, of the company thought, you know, banjo, guitar, banjo, guitar, which was great, right. except we were hired as banjo players and after about a week of in rehearsal so there were two other musicians both who played guitar and bill and i played banjo 
And we liked both of them, but there was just this magic. And after about a week of rehearsals, we went to the director and said, do you know, two banjos together looks great. So uh-huh. a, a good part of the summer, we, we, Bill and I were not supposed to be partners because we were both banjo players in that gig. Uh, but we kind of finagled in so that more than half of the time he and I were working together uh, rather than, I mean, I liked the other guitar player, the guy who was the guitar player, but he just was not as much fun as Bill. (laughs) Well, and Joanne was the head minstrel, of course. And so she was was the one that set the schedule and pretty soon we were were together all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was pretty sneaky. That was pretty sneaky. Well, you guys make a great couple and uh, and great music together. And uh, I want to get to another song right now. This is one called John Hardy, and uh, it's a great song. Let's take a listen to that, and we're going to come back and find out more about Joe and Bill when we return on the Campfire Cafe. <laughs> Run. 
Carol and Dr. Joe, and they are our guests today on the Campfire Cafe. And uh, Joe, I've got to ask you, how did you go from medicine to music? Um, I started with music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I lived in the kind of house the, 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 the same way I tried to raise my three sons, which was you, every day you brush your teeth, you make your bed, you do your homework, and you practice your instrument. And for me, it was piano and then um, uh, tap dancing, actually. Um, and when I got to be 16, I really wanted Joan Baez and um, all the amazing women folk singers at the time just captivated me. Of course, we always sang around the house. We went, I right. sisters, and my mother always thought it was going to be like the Lennon sisters, so we had to sing in harmony when we were doing the dishes. Uh, <laughs> so at, when I turned 16, my parents got me a guitar from Sears Roebuck. It's the only place they knew to buy things. And right. my mom got me some guitar lessons at the local YMCA, like a 12-week course. And that's how it started. Wow. And then I got to so, play music with people like Bill Boycott. And you've got to learn when you're playing with somebody like him. <laughs> so music was your first love, and medicine just kind of took a back seat to that in a little while. Uh, actually, music took a back seat for a while when I was active in my medical career. And it's, it's okay. wonderful to be playing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, Bill, did you have a did you have a career outside of music, or have you always done music? Well, I grew up in the Detroit area and went to college and got an engineering degree. Okay. But you know, I mean, I went to school since I was in kindergarten. When I got done with that degree, I was so sick of school. I said, I'm not going to do anything for a while. And I, <laughs> and during that time, you know, I had I had played guitar and, of course, done this Greenville Village thing and was into country music, and I, so I started, when I got out of college, playing with some bands and that kind of thing, and then I, you know, moved out west because I had a friend that was living out there that said, oh, you're wasting your time back in Detroit. Out west is where the music is, you know, you'll, you'll love it out here, and, and that's what I did, and, and sure enough, he was right. Uh, played in a band that traveled all over Montana and Canada, and we played in Hawaii, and, and then I ended up moving down to uh, Wyoming. And yeah, I, so I played music. I, I burned out on that after a while in, in 1980, and I got a job as an engineer. And I worked as an engineer for 3.86 years. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then I uh, kind of got done with that and uh, taught windsurfing for a very brief stint. And then I started teaching kids uh, music. I started teaching them guitar, that kind of thing. And I really liked little kids, and I thought, well, I'm going to get another degree. So I went back to school. didn't take me as long, and I got a degree in elementary ed. And I did that for a year, but at right at that time, I was starting to pull away from playing in bars and starting to do concerts and libraries and things. And I was so busy with the show on the history of the West in Wyoming that I decided, well, I can always go back to teaching I can, you know, I'm going to go do this music thing for a while. And that was, that was it. I never really went back to teaching. I never went back. Wow. But I stayed with music. I just got lucky. Wow. Wow. Hey, Bill. So. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. Yeah, Joe. Tell the story of in Hawaii that you had. 
Which one? Here, you're going to like this. The, <laughs> All right. the gig that you're in Hawaii, your band. Oh, the gig that I played in Hawaii, Gary. Talking about working hard, um, I had a gig that we played at this Texas country bar called Billy Joe's, is what it was called. <laughs> Texas Country Bar and Grill. And we played six nights. We thought this was the greatest gig, the band that I was in. We were a six-piece band from Wyoming. Youngsters didn't know anything. They shipped us out there for three months. We got to be in Hawaii. For, uh, wow. I think it was May, June, and July. We thought, oh, this is great. So we're going to put you in a nice place in the country. But temporarily, we're going to put you downtown Waikiki with a beautiful view of a brick wall out your window. <laughs> That's what we ended up seeing the whole time. But the gig was five hours a night during the week, six hours a night on the weekends. Wow. We were so tired. We had one day off that, you know, we just fell asleep and got up and get, did the next night, you know. It was just really a brutal gig. But wow. it was, uh, they, would bust, they would bust these military guys in. They would stand in line at the bar, uh-huh. and for $3, they could drink all they could drink. And then we had to got, they did that at 7, and we came in at 9 and played oh, for them. Wow. <laughs> those crazy cakes, you know? oh, and by by the time they'd been drinking for two hours, you guys were fantastic, I'm sure. Yeah, we were real good to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well that is so interesting for both of you. And um we're gonna come back and talk more with you in just a minute, but we want to get to a song right now called The Last Train. This is Buffalo Bill and Doctor Joe. We'll be right back on the Campfire Cafe. Riding the last train 
every Hello. bit of the music that you choose is of um oh joe did you have something i hear your voice did you want to add something yeah, i'm saying hey bill hey bill hey bill i just want I, he's he's got a really great rendition of what working at at that ranch was bill yeah he's here i get i was yeah. what are you talking about babe <laughs> <laughs> Of what working at what a guest ranch is because maybe some of the listeners like in oh Nashville yeah yeah don't a guest, guest ranch here. well a guest ranch it's like a dude ranch um uh, except the guest ranch is uh is a little ritzier i mean we still serve the traditional ranch food like swordfish and lobster tail <laughs> at the guest ranch you know and it was uh, it was more folks folks from it catered to folks from new york and california with a lot of money that, and that we brought them out there and took them out on rides. Just, it was great. It was a wonderful, wonderful gig. I, you know, I was a, I was a, a part-time wrangler, but mostly I was the activities director. But I did take out lots of rides. It was, it was a fun gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, when you go to select music for your CDs, I know um, there's a lot of history behind some of the songs that you choose. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Um, your connection to the the history of the West? Yes. Um, well, in 1990, Wyoming celebrated its 100th anniversary as a state, and I put this program together and uh, ended up writing, you know, the song like the Transcontinental Railway, and lots of other songs. Wrote about the trappers and wrote about the Native Americans. I thought it was. I wanted. To, I had to include that culture because it's, it is a huge, also part of the history of the west in wyoming and we forget that you know um, i didn't want to um in fact in our live of versions of our story of our program on the history of the wild west in wyoming and the oregon trail i do tell some stories in traditional native american indian sign language i was given that right to do that by a shoshone native american in wyoming and so um try to include that in the in the program so yeah the history I think the history is important for us to know who we are today. We need to know about ourselves and the history of what happened in our country. I think it's real, real important. Many will say, so we don't make the mistakes of the past, though we are tough. We are tough buggers to learn that, aren't we? <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> we're, 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 kind of, we're kind of slow to learn that right now, I think. Yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, that's fascinating. That is fascinating. So, how did a how did a fellow from Michigan get so involved in the history of the West? Well, you know, it I was, can I can start uh, to I, answer that. Let, all let right. Me, let, me, let, me, Bill, let me start. Gary, okay. what he 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 said. Bill said earlier that uh, he went back for a second degree in uh, elementary education, and of uh-huh. course, every elementary education. Uh, teacher has to have a history on have to, has to take a course in their state's history to teach the students and at the end of the course bill had the option this is the option you can either write a paper or you can do a presentation to the class now bill as the ultimate performer this was a total no-brainer now why would you like to sit down in front of a you know a typewriter in those days and write a five-page paper would you like to get up and sing to people and he put together he researched <laughs> that would have been sung along the Oregon Trail as it went through Wyoming. And he went to um, several libraries, one of them, the, Cody, the library, Buffalo Bill Library in Cody, Wyoming, and got photographs that 
he coordinated with the songs. So put together this audio, this singing in the front, slides coordinated with the songs in the back. It was just, it, it continued, the show has evolved quite a bit, but I think, Bill, that that's when you got started with the history. Go ahead. Now you can answer the question. Yeah, it was. Was it, was, you. <laughs> it was how I got started with the history. And, and, you know, in taking that course on Wyoming history, I realized that, you know, I kept saying to myself, you know, this stuff didn't really happen that long ago. No. You know, 100 years, no. 150 years. I mean, I'm thinking 100 years. There's people that lived to be 100 years old. I mean, and I was right. doing this really wasn't that long ago. You know, you can walk out. In Wyoming, walk on the ruts of the Oregon Trail. And I'm just going, whoa, you know, this is amazing. So that's why I just got involved. It was just, I just got sucked in. Gary. It, was, it was one of those things. I was, you know, I got passionate about it. And I started writing songs about the trappers and, and, and the Oregon Trail. And here we are. That's fascinating. Gary, as the, the show evolved, he, he did, did the first version of the show. Actually, when they say slides, it was really slides, a slide projector. Slide projectors, yes. Timed the slides. And we got to the point where we would go to do a library concert, and the slide projector had to be, like, close to the audience. And children were coming up to it and saying, wow, what's this? Because they had <laughs> yeah. a slide projector That's- before. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's when I decided I'm going to change it to, you know, I changed it to a, a, a video player. You know, I mean, it was a lot easier right. too. Just, to, you know, <laughs> with the resin slides and all that stuff. But it, it's basically the same thing. That's that's almost like the kids saying, "What is this telephone thing?" Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Rotary phone. Exactly. Yeah, rotary phones. Rotary phones. There's another great song we want to do called "Cowgirl Cattle Call." Dr. Joe does a great job on this. Let's take a listen to that. We'll be right back. I wake up on the prairie While the morning star still shines The cattle are stirring And my coffee's tasting fine I coin up my riata I sit my saddle tall I'm a cattle callin' cowgirl Hear my cowgirl cattle call And I sing Your lady Your lady Your lady Your lady Your lady Your lady The hills of old Wyoming Of my home out on the range with my cow dog and my pony, some folks think it's mighty strange. Cause I brand them in the springtime, I ride gather in the fall. I'm a cattle calling cowgirl, hear my cowgirl cattle call. And I sing, Yod lady, Yod lady, Yod lady. Now some say a cowgirl's business is to stay home on the ranch Baking bread and biscuits on the range But I can ride with any hand and I'll take my chance 
We we, wow. we talk to him every so often. He's a great guy. He played bass with us for a while after uh, we stopped doing the Christy Minstrel thing. But anyway, anyway, I did that audition and started playing with him. Was with him for about three years. Randy's a fabulous fabulous songwriter. He, uh, you know, the, the, I think his probably his biggest hit with the Christy Minstrels was uh, you know, today, you know, today while oh, the blossoms yeah. do cling yeah. to the vine. Great song, yeah. you know. It's it's it's, it's a, a forever a folk song that people will remember. You know, wow, his legacy oh. Barry preserved. Maguire. Hey, Bill. Yes, Barry Maguire also played with us. We did a cruise ship with him. It, it was kind of funny. The last time, one of the last times I played with them, um, I I'd been away for a while, and Randy had me come back and do a gig with them, and 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 at some casino in in uh, South Dakota somewhere. And we were getting ready to go on stage, and Barry was going, hey, man, your boots are already dirty. I said, maybe you should shine those up. I said, I said no, Barry. I said, I, yeah, I, you know, he says, come here, come here. He, so he comes over, and he gets his stuff out, and he starts shining my boots before we go on stage. So I can say I had my boots shined by Barry McGuire, who sang Eva Destruction. <laughs> I guess my boots were on the Eva Destruction. I don't know. But he cleaned them up, and so it went on stage. He's a great guy. Great guy. That's cool. Well, that experience must have been kind of like pinch yourself because you're able to play with those guys. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It was, I, you know, I'm, it was a, it was an amazing experience, uh, you know, to be on that, to be on a stage, do reunion concerts. Uh, uh, it was it was kind of interesting. I remember one time we were in the concert and I was out in the parking lot. I went out to get my hairbrush or something before the concert, and I saw all these people coming in, and I'm I'm noticing you know canes and walkers and wheelchairs. And I'm saying, well, I guess that's the new Christy Mister crowd. You know, they're all left over from the 1960s. You know, but you know, play for you know an auditorium of 5,000 people is pretty wonderful. You know. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That is Bill, so you were cool. the youngest by 20 years, weren't you? I was. I was younger than, you know, I was, you know, here I am 10 years old, you know, listening to people that were in, you know, were 20. So I was 10 years younger than a lot of them, 15 years younger than a lot of them. So, yeah, it was, but it was great. It was still great. They had a couple of us young in our 50s when, we were, when I was doing that. So playing with the group, Becky, Joe, and I were, two that weren't original members. There were six, seven original members when I played with them. I think something that's so special about uh, Bill and Joe in live performance is um, as much as they're rooted in the, in the music of the West, they, they'll play some of the folk music that we recognize. They're, you know, they're, they know how, they know who their, who their audience is. And they know how to reach out to that audience. And it's just so fun. You know, they might change their hat or um, they switch instruments around. There's a lot of electricity between the two of you. I I don't know if you realize that, but (laughs) sitting in the audience, I can see a lot of communication going on with um, eyes and body language that's all joyous. But there's, um, you must, you have a way of, okay, we're going to do, I can't recall now specifically, but, you know, they'll pull out a song that's not a song you would necessarily expect to hear in an evening of what you think might be Western entertainment. And that's what's so great. Pull the audience in. We get to sing along. Bill does impressions. (laughs) He's full of, uh, 
he's full of uh, they're just they're just full of interesting things that they can pull out of their back pocket. And so um, it's a thoroughly entertaining live performance from the beginning to the end. Well, that's what we like to uh, coin ourselves, not only as musicians, but the important thing for both of us is to be entertainers. Mm -hmm. And that's what that was nice about playing with the Christie's again. It reinforced that again for me. You know, it's the entertainment is really important. People want to be entertained. I just don't Absolutely. want to sit up there and play song for song. Yeah. You know, you got to, Bob Dylan can get away with that, but, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, entertain, being an entertainer is different, you know. It is. It is. Uh, it's fun. Before we have, uh, uh, we, no, we have some of our things that are, are the, the sort of a set script. The history shows, you can't, you can't derive, you know, derive too much from that. Although at the end of the history shows, we'll sometimes launch off into something else. But before we have a big concert, we kind of talk about, well, what do you want to play? What do you want to play? But basically, Bill comes up with the set list, and we have a typed set list in bold with the keys of what songs and the first couple times we did this I thought okay this is what we're doing but wrong <laughs> Bill comes up it's like a suggestion it's, this is kind gotcha. of maybe what we might the play guideline. and just be ready and I once I was start, I was just like uh, uh, what he just said just put your capo on two and play C and we're going to go <laughs> we didn't have time to talk about what we were going to play, and I, 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 I yeah. did actually figure it out. Yeah, but yeah, that's part of the fun of it, Bobby. Is is the it is somewhat spontaneous, and we do have to interact all the time to to keep it going. It's way yeah. fun. Well, and I think that's what makes it fun for the audience is the interaction yeah. that you have and the spontaneity that goes along with that. So that's that's pretty yeah. cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Well, let's get to another song real quickly. This is one called Once Walsing the Wyoming Wind. We'll be right back. Mother sleeps 
from the north screams a Wyoming wind. But there's always hope in a springtime rain when the warm day teasing begins. And the love of this land slowly blossoms and you can waltz in the Wyoming wind. Making love in the Wyoming moonlight as you dance the rivers and streams, nothing can bring you great pleasure, like a waltz in the Wyoming wind, making love in the Wyoming moonlight, as you dance through the rivers and streams, nothing can bring you great pleasure, like a waltz in the Wyoming wind. Today, time just goes too quickly sometimes. It does. Hey, Gary, um, Bill mm-hmm. mentioned something to me a little bit ago about mules and the Overland Trail. And I thought maybe we, I know we're almost out of time, but maybe he could say a little something about mules. Yeah, actually, uh, Bobby Joe was mentioning you're going to have the, uh, the top being talking about mules in the next show coming up. And uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Oregon Trail had two different kinds of animals that pulled the wagons. One were oxen, and the other were mules. Yeah. And, uh, that got reinforced again for us because we just we just ended up reading a book um, uh, about mules, about the Oregon Trail, uh, got by an author named Rinker Buck. Uh, and uh, it was great because he actually did a reenactment of the trail in like 2005 where he went along – the Oregon Trail, and uh, he used a wagon, and he used mules again to do this. It was really interesting. It's a great book, but mules were quite popular along the Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would not, not be surprised. I would not be surprised <laughs> if Reese Brothers didn't sell the mules that they used to pull it back in 2005. But, it could uh, have been, yeah. Good to be in. Well, anyway, you and Joe have been absolutely fantastic today, and I know that our worldwide audience wants to find out how they can get the music that we've been playing. So give us your website and tell us how they can purchase your music. Our website, of course, is www.buffalobillboycott.com. And boycott is my last name. I'm not trying to boycott (laughs) Buffalo Bill or anything. (laughs) So it's Buffalo Bill Boycott, all one word. Uh, also, I'm on Facebook under Buffalo Bill Boycott. I'm also on Facebook under William Boycott. Please friend us on Facebook. We would love for you to explore our music. We have lots of CDs and DVDs for sale off that website. Uh, thanks again for having us, Gary. Well, you're, Bobby you're welcome. Where, where are you guys performing next? Where can people see um, We'll be you? up in Wyoming. We'll be up in Wyoming in April. Um, if you check out our website, I, I can't remember offhand exactly where we're at, but 
um, we're all over the place. <laughs> we we've been we do a really cool place out in Oregon called uh, the Oregon Trail Interpretive Center. We're going to be there this uh, there this summer twice. A couple of stints there. We're going to be at the Trail Center in Casper, Wyoming, also at Devil's Tower, our nation's first national monument this summer. The website's the best place to get that info. All right. Well, check out their website, purchase their music, and follow their tour schedule there. And as Bobby said, you don't want to miss one of their live performances. But again, Joe, Bill, you guys have been absolutely great today. Gary, thanks so much for having us. This has been really fun. Well, thank you. Thanks again, Gary. Yeah, it's wonderful. Come back, come back and see us. We'd love to have you come back. But uh, we right now, we're, we're going to close out this segment of the show with a song called Wabash Cannonball. This is Buffalo Bill and Dr. Joe, and they have been our special guests today on the Campfire Cafe. From the great Atlantic Ocean to the wide Pacific shore, from sunny California to ice my Labrador. She's mighty tall and handsome, she's no type well by all. She's a boat accommodation on the Wabash Cannonball. Listen to the jingle, the rumble and the roar as she glides across the woodlands, over the hills and by the shore. Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear the lonesome hobos call. Riding through the jungle on the Wabash Cannonball Well, she came down from Tennessee one cold December day When she rolled into the station You could hear all the people She's from Tennessee, she's long and she's tall She came down from Birmingham on the Wabash Cannonball Listen to the jingle, the rumble and the roar As she glides across the woodland, over the hills and by the shore Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear the lonesome hobos call Riding through the jungle on the Wabash Cannonball Daddy Claxton, may his name forever stand And always be remembered in the courts throughout the land His earthly race is over as curtains round and fall They'll carry him home to Dixie on the Wabash Cannonball Listen to the jingle, the rumble and the roar As she glides across the woodland, over the hills and by the shore Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear the lonesome hobos call Riding through the jungle on the Wabash Cannonball Riding through the jungle on the Wabash Cannonball Well, it's time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. 
And when we come back, we're going to be talking mules with Rufus Reese of Reese Brothers Mules on Saddle Up America. But first, let's listen to Mule Train. This is Riders in the Sky. Mule Train. Flopping over hill and plain Seems as how they never stop Clippity clop, clippity clop Clippity clippity, clippity 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 clippity, clippity clopping along There's a plug, a chart, a backy for a rancher in Corona A gift jar for a cowboy way out in Arizona A dress of calico for a pretty Navajo And get along Clopping on the mountain chain Seems they never reach the top Clippity clop, clippity clop Clippity clippity, clippity 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 clippity, clippity clopping along There's some cotton thread needle For the folks away out yonder A shovel for a miner Who left his home to wander Some rheumatism pills For the settlers in the hills Get along Clippity, 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 along. There's a Stromberg for the Ranger, and for Woody there's a fiddle, and a accordion for Joey playing both ends in the middle. There's a mushy note for Slim, I guess Roberta's writing him. Get now with Mr. Rufus Reese of Reese Brothers Mules. Hey, Rufus, how are you? Doing fine. And you, sir? Doing good. Doing good. So for all of our audience around the world that maybe is not familiar with a mule, what is a mule? The mule is a cross between a donkey or a jackass and a horse. 
<laughs> well, well, I've known a few jackasses and, uh, and, and, and quite a few horses, but, yeah. um, yeah. So, so they are a combination of the two and you cannot breed a mule to a mule and get a mule. You have to, you have to use that combination to get a mule, don't you? Yes, sir. A mule has an even number of chromosomes and they cannot produce, reproduce. Yeah. So a hundred years, that is a long time. And I'm going to have to admit, not try not to age myself too much, but I have probably been familiar with Reese Brothers mules for over 40 years. I remember your dad very well. But um, do you know how Reese Brothers got started a hundred years ago? Uh, my grandfather, he started the business, uh, you know, just farming and using mules and started trading mules and uh, opened up an auction sale barn in uh, at Nashville at the U- old Union Stockyards. He ran wow. the mule sale down there. Wow, wow, wow. And, and so you guys have actually shipped mules all across the world, haven't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I remember... Uh, being aware of the fact that you provided mules to Afghanistan during the first war over there, uh, how did yes, how did were, how did that how did that happen? Uh, a fellow just showed up one day from the CIA, and they were wanting to buy mules for the uh, Afghans, and we wound up selling them thirteen hundred. Goodness! Wow. wow! Goodness! Bobby, did you know there were that many mules that were used in the war over in Afghanistan? And I believe that was no, with the Russians. No, I had no, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, that is fascinating. Well, tell us a little bit about the history of Reese Brothers mules. Well, we're still on the same farm that we've been for hundreds of years, I guess, and uh, <laughs> you know, we still have the same old mule barn that my granddaddy had here. They built on the farm, and uh, it's. Uh, but Dickie and I, my brother, we took over in like 1979 or 80 after my father was killed in an accident. And then uh, my son and daughter, they're a part of it now, and they have got two offsprings that will be the fifth generation to do it right here on the same place. Wow. Wow. Five generations at the same location providing mules yeah, all over country so i've talked to people uh you guys show mules all across the country as well don't you yes sir yes we'll show them from north carolina to bishop california well we had bishop mule days on uh last year and and i'm sure we'll Mm -hmm. have them back again as we get closer to bishop mule day that's coming up but uh columbia mule day is one of the oldest mule celebrations in the country isn't it yeah, so they had it for years and years and then stopped having it. And I think about uh, 1968 or 9, they started back, and it's just nothing but grown ever since then. It's really big yeah. now. Yeah. An interesting fact is uh, my daddy, back in 1949, took my mother to Mule Day, and he proposed to her there. Oh, <laughs> my daddy proposed to mother at Mule Day in 1949, and uh, and I still have a picture of him on a white horse that he was riding at Mule Day. So that that is pretty cool. <laughs> yes, sir. That, is, that is pretty cute, cool. So you fellows, um, uh, you're you're what the fourth generation or third generation? 
third. Third yes, generation? Sir. Yes, sir. So how did you fall into the family business? I mean, was it just assumed or? I was, I was born into it. I didn't have any choice. You didn't have any choice? No, sir. Uh, and I've loved goodness. every minute of it. Well, what's your favorite part of, of raising mules and selling mules? Uh, really, we don't raise any or breed and raise any here on our place. We just, we just buy and sell. Okay. Uh, and, and you know, I, I love the auctions, and you know, the, all the people. We have people that come there from all over the United States, and you know, buy mules, sell mules, and you know, I've got friends. I go down to any pig path anywhere and need something, and I know somebody on that road, or know somebody that knows somebody on that road. But it's been just a you know a great experience, and just uh, been super. Oh, that's great. That is great. Now, how many mule sales do you put on now? Well, we have three a year. Okay, tell us about them. Uh, we'll have one the second Saturday in November at uh, Westmoreland, Tennessee. That'll be just, you know, fall sale, just whatever everybody wants to bring and sell. And then we'll have one the second Friday in January, which is we call it our colt sale, which we have a lot of the draft mule colts and a lot, mostly draft mules at that sale. And the one we have coming up March the 14th, uh, we sell pretty much all riding mules. Wow, wow! And we had last year. We had three hundred mules to go through this sale with saddles and bridles on. You know, broke riding mules. Goodness, goodness, goodness! Well, with the other sales that you have, of course, people that are coming to the March sale are looking for something that they can ride, and sure. uh, and there are a lot of folks that just swear by a mule instead of a horse for something yes, to use for saddle stock, but. Uh, what are, what are the what are most people looking for when they come and buy a mule? Not the March sale because they know that's for saddle. They want something just good and broke and gentle that they can carry home. Most of them that the whole family can ride and either ride them today or next month and they're still the same. And then we have a lot of the outfitters and you know like pack stations from out west that come and buy their dude mules and their pack mules and you know everything they're going to use you know for the summer for their pack trips and you know next fall and winter for the hunting trips. Wow. Wow. So are people still using mules in their garden anymore, or is that kind of passe? Uh, it's not, not or is it coming back? Uh, no, you can't find them broke enough anymore. Nobody knows how to do it. The, you know, the, <laughs> the Amish and Mennonites, you know, they, they do, and, you know, they, they still use them, and we supply a lot to them, and they come to our sales. But as far as you know, when you leave them, nobody, you know, knows how. And nobody wow. takes the time to do wow. it. Well, well, it seems like kind of as things are, you know, it's what once was is coming back around again. So I just wondered if more people are starting to look for mules to actually use in the garden and getting away from yeah. from uh, tractors. But you know, and, and most, there are a few. But I've always said that the uh, uh, demand would be gone before the supply. But our supply is dwindled so that it's. Worse than our demand. Our demand is still good, but we cannot find them. Nobody's raising them. Wow. Yeah. All wow. the old timers that raised them all the years, you know, they're dead and gone, and the younger generation are not raising them. Well, I know that uh, every every month we have Backcountry Horsemen of America on the show, and uh, and they still use a lot of mules for their packing, particularly out west, to carry equipment yes, in. 
for the Forest Service. Do you sell a lot of mules to those folks? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That big percentage of what they use all over, you know, California and the in the West, you'll come right from Middle Tennessee, right here. Yeah, yeah. And when uh, and when when Buffalo Bill was talking earlier in the first hour about the Oregon Trail, and I think he said back in 2005, wasn't it, Bobby, that mm-hmm. uh, they mm-hmm. reenacted that and they used mules. I bet a lot of those mules came from Reese Brothers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> they uh, had another reenactment a few years ago that uh, the water rights from Los Angeles come out of Mammoth. Uh, California, and it's mm-hmm. canaled all the way to Los Angeles, and that was put in with mules. And they did a reenactment on that, had a hundred mile mule ride, and uh, my son went out and you know helped them manage that and took part in that. It lasted wow. like you know six weeks. I remember wow. that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember reading about that happening and uh, people coming out along the way to see you know to see the the group riding. Yeah. Interesting. What what is it about uh, what is it about um, a mule that makes it so much hardier um, than say a horse for some of these activities? It's the the hybrid vigor, the cross between the you know the horse and the mule. I mean the donkey and the mule. And you know a mule will do nothing that's going to hurt his, harm himself. Where a horse will do something stupid, a mule will not do that. Uh-huh. I mean it's uh-huh. just. And the reason I say they're so sure-footed, a mule's eyes set on his head different than a horse. They're more on the side, and a mule can stand there and see all four feet, and a horse cannot do that. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I had no idea. I had no idea. Of course, I still like my horses. I still ride my horses. (laughs) (laughs) We're trail riding. Before the show was over. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, it's really interesting, uh, Rufus. Um, Once a month, we have the Trailmeister on, who's located out in Washington. And uh, he had been using a horse for all of his backcountry explorations. And a couple of years ago, he decided to get a a mule. And uh, so he rides a mule, and his wife rides an Icelandic horse. But just this past year, he bought a bought a uh, Icelandic mule. He bought huh. a cross. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I've ever seen one. Well, this came out of I, Canada. I knew it, put it that way. Yeah, this came out of Canada. Well, you were talking about the Packers using their mules. Uh, do you have any? Backpacking, not backpacking, but outfitters that that normally uh, are kind of regular in buying mules from you. Oh yes, sir. We have lots of them. Uh, there's a, a tail rowing outfitters in uh, Gardner, Montana, and uh, they buy over the past sold him his first mules that I sold anybody in 1979, and since then he's probably bought 22 to 2400 mules from us. Oh wow! He takes them, he takes them, uses them, and really gets them broke and sells them to the Forest Service, sells them to the Marines, and you know, just different. They go all over. Wow! There's another outfit, uh, Black Mountain Outfitters in Livingston, Montana, that come here and pretty much do the same thing that buy lots of mules from us, you know, on a regular basis. Wow! Wow! 
that's that's pretty interesting. Well, we're going to get to another song real quick, and this is a song by Kristen Harris called "The Mule Song," and uh, and Kristen has gone out with Outfitters, uh, and I think she said she wrote this song based on her experience with mules. So let's take a listen to that, and we're going to come back and talk more with Rufus Reese in just a moment on Saddle Up America. I love the mountains, I love the moon. Between a window in the clouds, when it comes poking through against the sky, purple hue. sunshine down by the stream bed at noon and the echo off the canyon makes one voice become two and that's why I need a mule anytime I want to I could gain altitude he'd carry me to places no horse could get to and he Some gear and some food And find a spot to build a fire And stare at the view you could come to But you'd need a mule Now I ain't saying I'll be trading horses in But if I could have both now Would it be a sin? Cause when I'm low I need to go where the air is Or two, but he'll keep me on my toes just like a good friend would do. Yeah, it's true. I need a Yeah. 
Mustangs, but Rufus, I think she's planning on getting her a mule too. So mm-hmm. we can pick a lot. <laughs> a lot of folks, a lot of folks like these mules, and they prefer them to horses. So, yes, sir. Anyway, tell us some of the interesting places where we could find your mules today. Uh, you can find them pulling the carriages in New Orleans, in Charleston, South Carolina, at the. Uh, in the Grand Canyon, the North and South Rim, mm-hmm. on the uh, bird hunting plantations in South Georgia where they pull the big hunting wagons. And just anywhere you see one, it's a good chance he has come through Westmoreland, Tennessee, or through our through our barn. <laughs> well, I expect that that is right. So how did you start selling mules to the Grand Canyon? Uh we put an ad years ago in 1979, I guess, in Western Horseman magazine, and they saw it and called and bought 10 mules, and I delivered them, and we've sold them from 10 to 25 a year on the South Rim ever since then, and the North Rim about that many. Wow. 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 What are some of the what are some of the things um, a buyer would look for when they're when they're looking at the mules that you're selling? What What are some of the Characteristics that you would want to have in your mule. Uh, you know, a, a pretty head and ear to me is goes a long way. That's the first thing okay. you look at when you open when you open the stable door. It's the first thing you see, and that just goes a long way as, you know, as far as showing or just the whole bit. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, another thing too is know who you're buying one from. Mm-hmm. That that goes further than any anything probably. Somebody's gonna mm-hmm. tell you like it is, and you will tell you what you want. Well, if uh, if you can find somebody that's been in business for a hundred years, I think that's a pretty good spot to buy a mule. I'm gonna say it'd be a pretty good place to start. <laughs> and, and we, we, sell, we do very few on the internet. I mean, we have never really pushed that, and and uh, but we you know but phone calls and you know people call here and we tell them what we've got and when we sell them we tell them you know we don't. Uh, we won't. We won't. Can't guarantee life, but we'll guarantee you everything about him. If anything you don't like, we will not refund your money, but we'll exchange mules until you're satisfied. Wow, that's that's a pretty good guarantee we, we've right done there. That for a hundred years. Wow, wow, wow. Well, uh, so your mule sale in Westmoreland is coming up March the fourteenth. March fourteenth, yes, sir. And that is in Westmoreland, Tennessee. And so for folks that are listening around the world today, if you know where Nashville is, that is northeast of Nashville. About how far are you from Nashville, Rufus? Uh, About 30 miles, 35 miles. It's it's right right straight up uh, Highway 31 right out of Nashville. All right. So just a just a short drive out of Nashville to get to Westmoreland, Tennessee, and the mule sale. And uh, how many years have you been doing the sale up there? Uh, this is the tenth year. 
So how many mules will you have consigned to that sale? Uh, we'll probably have between 250 and 300. Wow. And your buyers will come from where? From everywhere. <laughs> I think last we had, we had uh, buyers from like, uh, we had mules from like 30-something states and buyers from like 30-something states. Wow. So have you shipped mules out of the country? I mean, I know you sent them to Afghanistan, but do you have do you have mules that are bought and sold and, and you ship out of the country? Uh, occasionally, but not real often. We send several into you know Mexico and Canada, but uh, anymore uh, we we have sold some to people that have shipped them out. You know, exporters. But uh, right. you know, we just sort of let them do it and lay low. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, gosh. Well, what am I not asking you about? Well, our sale, we start receiving mules on Thursday in okay. Westmoreland. And on Friday, uh, it'll be a, several of the mules will have an obstacle course set up. And they'll have to go through this trail course, you know, to be graded on. And, you know, we give prize money for you know, the top ten. And, you know, where people can see, you know, watch them cross bridges, open gates, cross water, load in and out of a trailer, you know, just all the basic stuff that a buyer can come there and sit and watch all these mules go through. And, he, and you know, then he'll have a pretty good idea of what he's getting. Yeah. And that, yeah. Will, and that will be on Friday. So that's on Friday, March the 13th, and then the sale yes, starts sir. what time on the 14th? The t- uh, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock on the 14th. Well, yes, I sir. think I'm going to have to try to make it up to Westmoreland on the 14th. Well, and, not and far from me. you got, you got to make it. Yeah, that's not very far at all. That is not very far at all. Well, you guys, like I say, have been in business for a long time. I've been aware of you for over 40 years. And um, uh, and Rufus, you actually hauled a horse back to your place for me that I had purchased at an auction in Shelbyville one time. So I've, I've right, been to your place. You probably don't remember me because I was much, much younger 40 years ago than I am now. <laughs> But uh, but but you guys are absolutely great, and I talk to people about mules all over the country, and most of them have bought mules from Reese Brothers. Yes, so sir. that is a great endorsement. That is a great okay, endorsement. That is a great endorsement. Well, Rufus, you've been a very informative guest, and uh, and I'm sure if people have seen mules somewhere, they've seen mules that have come from your place, and I know that you're going to have a great sale March the 14th in Westmoreland, Tennessee. You can preview the mules and see them go through a trail course on the 13th, and then the sale starts at 10 o'clock, so uh, fly in from wherever you are in the country. And visit Reese Brothers Mule Sale. Is that Tennessee Mule Sales, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And they can go online and pull up and see, uh, you know, a lot of the mules that have already been consigned and that kind of thing. Uh, you've got a great website. Why don't you give us the address for that? Uh, I can't tell you right off the top of my head. I don't have it in front of me. There's Reese Mules dot com. That's that one, um. Get it. I went there to pull. I've been posting a bunch of photos um, while we've been chatting on my Facebook page, and I've got most all those pictures, I think, from that website, ReeseMules.com. ReeseMules.com, and you have a great Facebook page, and I think you're posting mules, uh, video of mules on your Facebook page as well, aren't you? Yes, 
Yes, my son, he does all that, and as far as I know, that's what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this younger generation. That's but, right. uh, but that's great. So if, if you're interested in mules, take a look at his Facebook page. You can see videos of some of the mules that are going to be going through there as well. So, Rufus, thanks for taking the time out to visit with us today and tell us a little bit about right, your 100 year old company. It's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, yeah, and I'm going to try to make it up to Westmoreland on the 14th so I can see some of the mules sale and maybe make your acquaintance again. It's been 40 years, I think, since I saw you the last time. So All right, it'll be good to see you again. Well, good to see you. Good to have you with us. We're going to listen to Medina Mules by Mickey Daniel. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Bobby Jean Bell on Saddle Up America. The sky is several shades of lonesome, and your voice is on the breeze. The sunset's leaving halos behind the blue oak tree. Tumble of the casey over limestone in the shallows. There's no place else on earth I'd rather be than here with you and these long eared mules somewhere between Delhart and Vanderpool. Right here.
Daniel Medina Mules. So it's been fun talking about mules today. It has. What a great show. What fun. <laughs> it was. And, and Buffalo Bill and Dr. Joe are just such neat people. So much fun talking with them today and listening to their great music. Yes, and um, again, a, um, a couple that you absolutely have to see in performance because there's a whole energetic element uh, that it translates on the CDs for sure, but there's just nothing like seeing them in person is all I can say. Entertainers with a capital E. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I'll tell you, uh, it's one thing to listen to people's music on the radio or online or however you listen to music, but it's a whole different experience when you get to see them actually entertain. And uh, and certainly would be the case for those two. So very, very much, very much enjoyed visiting with them and finding out a little bit more about the romantic life and how they got together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we need more couples on the show so we can really delve into that kind of thing. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, well, we've got um, Rendezvous 2020 is coming up. In June, that's only four months away now. That is certainly getting here very quickly. And uh, for folks that are listening out there, we've set up a Facebook page for Rendezvous 2020 National Trail Ride. And on that page, we're posting information about the things that will be happening at the event and uh, a link to our website so, so that you can find out more about that. But they're also, we're going to be auctioning Mustangs and Donkeys, Mustangs and Burros uh, at the event on Saturday. And as the trainers are picking up their horses and burros and getting them ready for the event at Rendezvous 2020 in June, they'll be posting photographs and video page so that people will be able to see the Mustangs and the Burroughs as they're progressing in their training. And so that's going to be a lot of fun, Bobby, to be able to watch the progress and, and maybe pick out a, a Mustang or a Burrow that you might be interested in purchasing during Rendezvous 2020. And um, Yeah, you have so many different activities planned, whether you want to um, be engaged with the Equus Film Festival and, you know, watch films or – uh, ride or all all of these um, new new activities that you're bringing on. It's hard to keep up with it. So it's going to be quite an event. <laughs> well, it is going to be quite an event. So I'm, I'm hoping that you and Jim can make it out there. So people are going to be able to come out and trail ride uh, for a couple of days. They can see the Equus Film Festival. They can see Mustang demonstrations. We're going to have great, great concerts in the evening after you've enjoyed riding all day. And then on uh, Saturday is the day that we'll be doing the uh, demonstrations with Fred Wool with his great Mustangs. And he's done that at, at uh, Silver Dollar City in Branson for about six years. And we'll be back. I think he's going back again this fall uh, to do that. But you can see that at Rendezvous 2020. And then we'll auction the Mustangs and the Burroughs and... Um, and then we've got a great concert lined up for Saturday night, and there is no charge for this. So 
people can come out and enjoy all of these different things and um, support the program because it is to support the Mustangs and the veterans with PTSD. Mustang Heritage Foundation has a great program uh, with Mustangs and veterans working with them through that. I think probably in a, in a month or two, we're going to have some veterans that have been through that program on the show, Bobby, to talk about how it has changed their lives and set them on a different path. And uh, PTSD is something that not only affects our veterans, but it affects their families as well. And uh, so to hear some of the stories that these folks have to share about how it's changed their lives is pretty impressive. But that event is taking place June 18th through the 20th at the Circle E Guest Ranch here in Tennessee. And again, you can visit our website, equestrianlegacy.net, to find out more about Rendezvous 2020 and all the activities that are taking place and how you can, how you can uh, make your reservations to attend that event as well. So, uh, March is here. I know. Can you believe it? (laughs) Yeah, where did January and February go? I I just have no idea. But but March is here. And, again, we have an audience that's listening around the world. And we have such a large audience in Canada that uh, we've made the decision to feature our Canadian artist during the month of March. That's going to be a whole lot of fun because these folks are so, so talented. And who is our first guest? Who joins us next week? Yes, Matt Robertson will be with us um, next week. Yes, the first Thursday in March. I can't believe it. What is that, the 5th? The sixth, whatever that I is, think, the week I from think today. that's March the fifth. Yeah, I think that's March the fifth. And uh, he released a new CD last November that actually is sold out. So they're um, scrambling to get us the music in in time for the show, which I'm not at all concerned about. But uh, Matt's actually um, doing some touring in the states, and um, so that's kind of fun. He's, uh, I think he may be calling in from Arizona, um, but but. Uh, yeah, he's doing um he's doing um south uh, western tour right now, so very fun. All right, so we'll be talking with Mark, Matt Robertson next week on Campfire Cafe, and then Backcountry Horsemen of America will be joining us for Saddle Up America, and um, we hope that you will visit our Facebook page and like us there, Equestrian Legacy Radio on Facebook. And visit our website, and and, uh, I'm sure you're doing that now, listening to the shows. But you can listen to the shows at equestrianlegacy.net. You can also find out more about Rendezvous 2020 when you visit the website. And um, there is a little About Us section that you can find out more about Bobby Jean Bell on. And... uh, I need to add on. I need to add in that about section that uh, they can listen to you at on the Out West Hour on Saturdays oh, yeah. and Saturdays and Wednesdays. Is it? Yes, uh, Saturdays from four to five p.m. Mountain Time, and Wednesday has a new hour. Um, it uh, you can re-listen to the broadcast in its entirety 
Wednesday morning now at 5 a.m. Mountain Time. You can also oh, catch them. Uh, you can also catch on demand um, the shows on mixcloud.com. Just look for search out west, one word, out west hour. And um, all of this year's, um, actually all the way through to the very beginning, I think 64 shows are posted there. And then you can just stream them as you please. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, and for all of the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network shows, you can listen to, I don't know how many there are now, over 500 shows that you can listen to uh, with Saddle Up America and the Campfire Cafe. And just do that by visiting EquestrianLegacy.net. And uh, you can also find us on Blog Talk Radio and CastBox and iTunes and Google Play. And there may be some more out there. But uh, I know I Googled this the other day and all of those different things showed up. So that was that's kind of interesting. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, listen to the live shows at equestrianlegacy.net. Then you can go back and listen to the podcast anytime you'd like to at all of those different ways. Well, it's been a fun show today. And um, I don't think I have anything else to, to share with folks. Do you? Do you have a, you have a closing <laughs> thought for us today? Well, I have kind of a, a fun closing thought. Um, recently, I was uh, gifted a, a bag of uh, Dove's uh, chocolate, uh, dark chocolate, you know, little um, candies. And I love Dove and I don't actually buy chocolate very often, but so it was quite fun. And as I've been opening them and enjoying them, I there's a little saying inside each tinfoil wrapper, which I didn't realize. I'm wishing I had kept them all. Um, but here's here's three um, quickies. Be fearlessly authentic. These are from inside the wrappers of the Dove dark chocolate. <laughs> don't stop until you're proud. And the last one is, don't wait for sleep to start dreaming. Oh, I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can now see one of your drawers that is full of empty. Dove bar wrappers. <laughs> with I don't need to hold on to these anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, again, thank you for listening today for uh, on Campfire Cafe and on Saddle Up America. And uh, you can catch the podcast of the show immediately after that. And um, guess who has a birthday today? I don't know. Bob Corley. Bob Corley <laughs> has a birthday today, and we're going to close the show out. <laughs> We're going to close the show out with Bob's great song, Fighting for That Flag. Thank you for listening. On the news the other day, there were protesters burning the flag. There's no way to sugarcoat it It made me fighting mad I shout a few obscenities What makes them act that way? Someone needs to take a stand And somebody needs to say A soldier gave his life Mother lost her child Child lost their dad Fighting for that flag He fought for your 